the blast from our past network. Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura, a deep dive into underrated and unknown television shows from our youth. Cartoons, sitcoms, cop shows, and much more. Sit back and enjoy some nostalgic fun with TV Obscura. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Podcasting After Dark presents TV Obscura. I am one third of the TV Obscura team, Corey, aka Sleazy C. Joined with me, as always, are my two brothers from other mothers, Zach the Total Snacket Schaefer and Diallo the Armageddon Jackson. And do you feel it in the air? Can you can you feel the warmth inside your heart? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. This is our annual TV Obscura Christmas episode. 2023 and boy oh boy do we have some some fun ones for you guys this time woo 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 rock jingle bells jingle bells rock <laughs> fucking polly <laughs> fuck you polly <laughs> bah humbug polly all right this month we have three fun christmas themed shows uh we are going to be tackling the story of the faithful wookie aka boba fett's first animated appearance in the star wars holiday special then we're going to be going up that's 1978 then we're going to be going uh, Cobra Claws are Coming to Town from G.I. Joe, 1985, Season 1, Episode 39. And finally, we are going to be discussing Have Yourself a Morlock Little Christmas, 1995, X-Men, Season 4, either Episode 12 or Episode 17, depending on if, uh, if you're watching this on Disney+, Plus or if you're looking at it on IMDb. We're not quite sure what the discrepancy on the number on the numbering is, but uh, it's there. It's there, and it can be found. But uh, guys, I know that we're recording this before it happens, but I'm going to be seeing the two of you in December, in the first weekend of December, at LA Comic Con. So by the time everyone listens to this, we have already done our LA Comic Con thing, and we hope everyone had a chance to come out and check it out. But since we're recording it before it happens. I have no idea how it went, and I'm very <laughs> excited for it to, to come up in a couple weeks. <laughs> it was amazing. It, it was amazing. So, so good. <laughs> it was so good. I loved the way that you uh, talked up there. <laughs> you loved the way that I did did what I did. Yeah, it we, was. It we was held so, that mic. Yeah, it was so <laughs> so strong. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, backing me up and yes, anding this bit into uh, into oblivion. <laughs> Well, when you pulled out your uh, molecular reducer and larger ray and used it on the audience, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My rebiginator. Yeah, and then I think Jonathan from, you know, Geekscape, he was like, we've been snookered. Corey came in here and snookered us. <laughs> he snookered everybody at LA Comic Con. Damn right. So, Zach and Diallo, I'm watching these shows. I feel like I'm the one that kind of picked the outlier because G.I. Joe and X-Men, they both had a lot of snow in their episodes. And man, <laughs> I love that so much. And it both of them actually really did get me into the holiday spirit. And obviously we'll dig into it in a little bit. But 
Do either of you guys have like any any movies that you watch every year? Like like just a couple. Like you know, g- give me a couple that you have to watch every year to get into the holiday spirit. Diallo. Uh, like the only thing I semi regularly watch uh, is Love Actually, and ever since my ex broke up with me, I haven't watched it because mm. it, it hurts too much. Right, to think buddy. Of, to think about love. <laughs> um. But then, you know, the only other thing I actually watched had nothing really to do with Christmas per se, but it was just kind of a tradition. I used to watch for years, I'd watch the Star Wars original trilogy um, on Christmas Day. And then that kind of transitioned into watching as much as I could of Lord of the Rings. Usually, like, I would do like one a day for over three days. Um, but that's it. Like, nothing like Christmas, Christmas. But that's what I kind of do well i get the watching on star wars like on christmas day because i feel like didn't like tbs or something used to show that or tnt like all day long i mean now it's like it's christmas story everyone just you know watches christmas story on christmas yeah. day but i feel like there used to be star wars marathons on cable on christmas day back in the day there might have been i just i started doing it when the is like that first like deluxe a VHS set came out like I think it, it might have been the special editions like right yeah. around there I remember I was living in Hawaii actually the time and I, I remember getting that for Christmas and then that just kind of every year I'd watch the watch them all on Christmas and but the ones uh, that uh, the VH ones that came in either the silver or the gold yeah, yeah. with the silver yeah, yeah it was the silver the widescreen ones yeah I was very yep. adamant it had to be the widescreen yeah. to my yeah, dude. yeah the silver was the widescreen the gold was the the pan and scan and I was like yeah. no yeah. no nope, yeah, gotta have the silver one. one yeah uh, Zach do you have any a uh, couple movies that are your must watches yeah Diallo triggered a memory in me triggered um well nowadays our tradition is to watch 8-bit Christmas I think that that movie is so much fun absolutely love 8-bit Christmas if you listeners have never seen it uh you can buy the physical copy on Amazon but it's on HBO Max it's such a fun silly nostalgic it's a Christmas story for the 80s generation it's super fun i think diallo you might have watched it with us one time yeah over at our house yeah it was great um, i loved it actually but but then you triggered a memory in me i got two vhs tapes for christmas one year and then it became a christmas tradition for me to watch them on my own in my room uh goodfellas and aspen extreme those were the two <laughs> every year i would watch goodfellas and aspen extreme on vhs in my bedroom on christmas day uh i just was like my comfort films for why those two movies i don't know but um i feel like i want to renew that tradition nice nice you know what are you gonna watch goodfellas with Bodie? i am <laughs> like, you're you're funny funny how funny how <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm a, a bit schmuck. more traditional. I uh, Scrooged <laughs> is my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Christmas movies. But uh, Muppets, Christmas, Muppets Christmas Carol is my hands down absolute favorite of all time. We're Marley and Marley. Ooh. So I have to watch that every uh, Christmas Eve. And then I just usually have a Christmas story playing in the background and everything. And I, I like to watch like planes, trains and automobiles on Thanksgiving and things like yeah. that. You know. I'll throw in, too, I, I forgot, we do always watch the He-Man and She-Ra Christmas special nice. every year. And the G.I. Joe one, 
uh, not gonna lie, GI Joe one. <laughs> well, we covered the He-Man and She-Ra one uh, last year, so if you all are new to the show, uh, new listeners, go check that one out. We covered it as pretty much a standalone episode, and then the year prior for Christmas, we did um, the Tick Christmas special, um, the Ghostbusters one that was based on the Christmas Carol, and uh, Rambo. Rambo. That's right, Rambo. <laughs> it's funny because you know t- tv obscura yes gi joe is not really an obscure tv show nor is x-men but there are only so many christmas episodes out there of things that we i feel like we got the obscure ones out of the way with rambo and in the tick well, well we're, we're gonna go back to uh davy and goliath oh, one of these years yeah. i will choose davy let's talk about jesus christ well there there were some uh, there were some like more obscure ones that i like i thought of and um i but then and i think i said to you guys i was like yeah, it's christmas i don't care like let's let's do like christmas episodes that we like love. part yeah. of the part of the spirit of the whole deal right so yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'll be dead inside. You guys ever for the see? Uh, the <laughs> there's a cartoon called Witch's Night Out. It's the Halloween uh, TV show, but then they did like a winter version, which I think is their Christmas one. I'll have to do a little bit of digging on that, and maybe we'll pull that one out of the pile very soon. The one that traumatized me the most, and that I'd never want to bring to TV Obscura, is the Garfield christmas special the one where he meets where he meets his mom and then by the end of it she has to leave i watched it when i was like five or six or seven or something and uh i i bawled i cried my my eyes out and we didn't have that term this term at the time but now i would say i ugly cried for that one Mm. yeah i'm okay with not bringing it to the table (laughs) yeah me too me too All right, guys. But Davy and Goliath, let's talk about Jesus Christ. I, I've never seen an episode of Davy and Goliath. Oh, my, you will. I, you will. I feel like I only know about this show through the the Adult Swim parody show of it. <laughs> I think it's coming. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know it's coming right now. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Where? Boba Fett. Can I just talk like this through this entire segment? What the hell is that? That's uh, what, <laughs> Chewbacca's son. Oh, okay. So lumpy. It's lumpy. So you watched. I didn't watch the holiday special, but we'll we'll talk about it. We'll discuss it. Yeah, we'll we just we'll let's give it at least two minutes of screen of uh, audio time at some point during this. I'll see if I can bring up find a clip or something and, and insert it for you because I was I was like, what the hell are you talking about? But okay, yeah. Um, now I have seen the holidays the holiday special in its entirety. It's bad. It's pretty fucking bad. The story of the faithful Wookiee. The story of the faithful Wookiee is an animated short that aired as part of the Star Wars Holiday Special, which was only broadcast once on November 17, 1978 on CBS. Wow. The infamous Holiday Special was directed by Steve Binder and featured Han helping Chewie get home to his planet of Kashyyyk so he could spend Life Day with his family of Wookiees, Itchy, Mala, and Lumpy. How did, my, how did Lumpy go again, Zach? 
I don't know. In the holiday special, Chewie's son Lumpy is seen watching this cartoon on his video book while waiting for his father to arrive. The story of the faithful Wookiee features the first appearance of Boba Fett before the Empire strikes back and sees him befriending Luke on an alien planet and helping him find an antidote for Han. But the twist is he's actually working for Darth Vader. The cartoon was produced by the Canadian animation company Nelvana. They are known for the 1983 animated film Rock and Rule, which they turned down working on heavy metal to make. The Madballs cartoon, the pilot episode of The Get Along Gang, and the first season of Inspector Gadget uh, in cooperation with Deke. Star Wars fans will also know them as the studio that produced the Droids and Ewoks cartoons. Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford voiced their characters, but Boba Fett was voiced here and on the episode of Droids by Don Franks, who we know as Chief Newbie in 1981's My Bloody Valentine, which, Zach, I believe we called it out when we were going through his IMDb, you know, stuff um, and everything on when we were reviewing that one. I believe you did because you are the world's biggest Boba Fett fan. Oh, I would have also accepted nerd. (laughs) (laughs) You know how hard it was for me to not start singing the Get Along Gang? The Get Along Gang? (laughs) Get Along Gang. I don't want to interrupt him, but I I need to sing it so bad. (laughs) It's like welling up inside of you. (laughs) Listeners, you did not see this, but uh, Diallo and I both were moving our bodies in unison to the Get Along theme song. And I looked over at Diallo and I'm like, I see what he's doing. We're we're on the same page. So it's the Get Along Gang, Get Along Gang. gang. So good. It's funny. I never watched that, but I recognized the song. That toy, that show was based around uh, Hallmark, uh, oh. Hallmark trade. They were like, it was a, that was Hallmark's card company. They did a whole toy line, cartoon, positive kids, positive role models. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Now, Zach, yeah. did you ever watch the Madballs cartoon? I did. Uh, I watched the VHS version because I remember it showing up in the video store and I love Madballs. Uh and I totally forgot the Madballs cartoon, so we're going to have to bring that to TV Obscure. Yeah. <laughs> Note to Corey, the editor, when you're going through this, <laughs> add the Madballs cartoon to our infinite list of TV Obscure shows. <laughs> um, that's kind of the, all the write-up I have for this because, guys and gals, if you've never seen it, first off, this standalone cartoon is on Disney Plus uh, as the faithful Wookiee. So you can find it there. It is nine minutes long. So there's not too much meat on the bones to sort of talk about. But I think it's pretty fucking cool. Um, besides the whole Boba Fett thing. But the, with the animation and everything I think is amazing. Um, but real quick. Diallo. What's your experience with with the holiday special in general? Um did either of you guys remember watching that when it actually aired? I did. Um, I probably was about seven or eight around that time. Um, was there I a remember- build up to it? Like, were you excited for it? You know, it's actually, I can't remember. Like, I, I just sort of, I remember I was at my grandmother's house and I watched it there. And I remember sitting on her bed in her bedroom and watching it. 
<laughs> and thinking this isn't Star Wars. Because <laughs> I always remember like the cartoon part and like seeing Boba Fett, and that was actually kind of like the rest of it was like a. I don't know. It was like a variety show kind of. Very much, yes. Like a variety yeah. show. And um, I've only I've not seen it since then, really. Like, I've seen clips and stuff, like, since over the years. Since 1978. Because, like, you know, for years it wasn't even, like, yeah. you know, available. But, you know, whatever. But uh, I remember watching it. And, like, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the excitement out of that was, like, this Boba Fett character. And then around that time, you could send away for like with the little points or whatever in the backs of the, uh, the, the proof of purchases to get that Boba Fett, you know, the mail order one. So it was like, oh, that's the character that was in the cartoon. And that, you know, that was uh, kind of it. But I don't necessarily remember like being aware that it was even coming on or whatever, like knowing who I am. I probably insisted that I be able to watch it because if we were at my grandmother's house, I would have had to have been like, I'm watching this, you know, and I'm the only one in my whole family that would have watched it. So I probably I knew it was coming, <laughs> but I don't remember at the same time yeah. any of it. I just remember sitting there watching it. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty telling. I'm sure that your mind just buried it <laughs> out of pure trauma. <laughs> Zach, uh, you've you've seen it most recently, so I just want to say for me, um, I owned a VHS copy, a bootleg copy that I got way back in the day, late '90s, at a horror convention um, down in the dealers area, you know, and uh, watched it. I've seen it twice, maybe, but yeah. Never really feel the need to ever watch it again as a whole. Um, B. Arthur is pretty great in it. But other than that, uh, the Boba Fett cartoon is probably the best part of it. I mean, it truly is, and it's what we've all been told. And, you know, I mean, throughout time, like, it's the only sort of redeeming quality about it, even though a lot of it is not canon anymore, really. Like, just all kinds of little weird things that I kind of took note of and we'll, we'll talk about. Um, so I'm happy that that Disney Plus actually just extracted that and put it as its own thing um, on Disney Plus because it's the most redeeming quality. Zach, you just watched it. <laughs> I put myself through torture uh, watching this show, and I can see why Diallo blocked it out from his memory <laughs> because it is god-awful bad. Like, I, I mean, I tried so hard. Like, even the songs, I'm like, whoa. Jefferson Starship is in this and and uh Diana Warren not Diana Warren um uh, but yeah Diane Warren I think um Diane Warren like, the, like she was singing in it or something like the or? music the music act yeah it had music acts in it yeah right? yeah um, Jefferson Starship was in it yeah Diane Carroll sounds right black actress right yeah Diane, Diane Carroll yeah. yeah okay yeah uh you know Starship and Diane Carroll on there with music acts, and I'm like, oh, this is gonna be actually pretty cool. Harvey Corman, sign me up. Art Carney, yeah. What? Then those freaking Wookies through the whole thing, and I'm like, oh my god. First of all, Lumpy, come on, Lumpy. That's that's the name that we're going with. That's the name that Lucas decided to. uh, You know, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he didn't have his hands in the pudding, but. Uh, man, it is, it is brutal. Um, and then you get to the Boba Fett episode and I was like, oh, this is fantastic. So, you know, but I wanted to put myself through the torture just to make sure, just to (laughs) to solidify the fact that this is 
pretty trashy TV. And that came to fruition. And Mark Hamill looks really weird in it, too. Well, he's wearing massive eyeliner. Yeah. And he's got a ton of cover-up on. on. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that, and, is that and, like, right after his, his accident or something, maybe? That was no. Nah, would he wouldn't have been in the accident yet? I don't think. I think it was at before the accident. Yeah, because yeah. this was seventy eight. Didn't uh, Star Wars came out what sixty seventy six? Seventy seven. So, yeah, seventy seven. And then so yeah, this is right. And after. then Empire was what eighty one. So they were gonna go right into filming it soon. So he must have had his accident sometime between seventy eight and eighty, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay. Okay. Um, I do know that there is a, a big documentary um, coming out on on the holiday special. I don't think it's sanctioned. Oh, really? I don't think it's sanctioned by like Lucasfilm or anything, but it's apparently going to be a pretty big one. It's going to be a, a DVD, like a film documentary, and also a book documentary uh, with it. The the podcast that I listen to, uh, Rebel Force Radio, they've talked to the guy who's writing it, and his dad was who was the guy who produced the show, and yeah, like he, the guy who created the show and, and produced it, he was a variety show guy, like Bob Hope and all that kind of stuff, so it feels, the holiday special, and Zach, correct me if I'm wrong, it, just, it feels very yeah. much of its time, Whereas, which is weird because Star Wars, feel uh, like A New Hope, feels timeless whereas this feels so of its time oh yeah yeah absolutely and it's that shot on video you know minimal sets the things i loved about doctor who that i don't love about this yeah it's got it all yeah. it's got it all <laughs> mm-hmm. so uh, yeah i just i was just looking it up real quick he actually did have his accident in 77 so that might have been oh. well, it might have been why he had all the makeup i don't know Wow, the scars must have been. Uh, they were like, "Oh shit!" I bet you they were like, "Shit, it's gonna pop differently on TV. We need to cake some uh, makeup in there." Yeah, interesting. Yes, interesting. But who knows? But why the eyeliner? <laughs> why the eyeliner? Come What's going on? Come on, come on! It's fingers and nails. <laughs> I'll come at you like a tornado of teeth and nails. <laughs> teeth and nails. I love uh, Will Ferrell's. Where's Colin? Harry Carey. I love it so much. All right. So <laughs> since the cartoon is only nine minutes, I'll just kind of give a really quick synopsis of it. Um, Luke and Leia are waiting are on this like awesome rebel base that's like in an asteroid field. They're waiting for Han Solo and Chewie to come back with this artifact that will, you know, do something for the rebellion. Uh, they, they hail Chewie, you know, we see that Han Solo is hanging upside down. Chewie isn't like responding to them. Cause I guess no one besides Han speaks Wookiee in the, uh, in this thing. Um, and so he crashes, they crash on a planet. Luke goes after them with uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 in his Y-Wing, which I fucking love that he was in a Y-Wing mm-hmm. and this planet's like a water planet. They get there, and I like how the water is kind of like bubblegum. I think the planet itself is is amazing. This It feels yeah, very really cool. alien. Um, yep. They get there. They're immediately attacked by a creature. Then they're saved by Boba Fett, who's riding a creature. He calls them friend a lot, even though uh, R2-D2 doesn't, thinks that people use that term <laughs> incorrectly a lot. Friend. Um, so they, ha- they find that uh, they find Chewie. Apparently, the artifact has this... It knocks people out if they get in close proximity to it. So when they get there, Luke gets immediately incapacitated. Uh, then Chewie and Boba Fett have to go to the nearest town to go get the an- antidote. Antidote. Um, it's like, you know, imperial-occupied town. 
They get the antidote, but while they're doing that, Boba Fett sneaks away and contacts Darth Vader that he has Luke and, and the Rebels and everything, and Darth Vader wants him to earn the trust so he can go back with them. Uh, when they get back, but of course R2-D2 intercepts that message. When they get back, they res- they revive Luke, they revive Han. Han, Han looks the weirdest out of all of the, the animated characters here. With his <laughs> eyes squinted shut. Um, he looked like Brock from Pokemon. He, I was like, what the hell? He does. Uh, and then R2 tells them, you know, what, what uh, Boba Fett is planning. And then Boba Fett kind of just makes a hasty retreat saying, I'll catch you later, guys. You know, like there's no like even shootout. And um, that's it. That's all she wrote. It is nine minutes long. Um, but. I think it's absolutely stunning. I think the animation uh, is is beautiful. I love how alien the worlds look. Um, the aliens are, are interesting in it. A lot of we don't see any like aliens that we sort of know, so they kind of had to make up aliens, and I think some of them look damn good. Uh, some weird shit in it because you know, like they only have a new hope behind it like that's all the canon we sort of have so we see like alien writing on the screen but it doesn't look like Orabesh that we sort of know now um and then there's this weird captain's log uh voiceover that happens that is so very star trek where they even say like star log and i'm like ooh, that was weird um and but and then boba fett obviously his design he looks similar but his color palette is very different than what you see in the movies. He's very, it's like this weird, very grayish teal, bluish teal, like a very light color, and then yellow and, and some grays and stuff. Uh, from what I understand, they chose that color palette uh, because it would look better on black and white TVs, which were still pretty predominant in 1978. So they chose that so it could sort of pop better. Um, but, I mean, overall, I loved it. Oh, and then... Uh, and then you see, if you watch The Mandalorian now, the Mandalorian's, like, disintegrator gun that he used, like, in the first two, the first season or whatever is very much uh, uh, taken from Boba Fett's shock stick that he has at the beginning of this. Uh, That's why it looked familiar to yep, me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then one more thing I thought was a little bit weird. I feel like later on in, in the trilogy... Luke could understand R2 better. Now, in Empire, you do see him talking to Luke, and you see Luke reading what he's saying on the X-Wing when they're going to go to Dagobah. But I feel like once he gets to Dagobah, he starts talking to R2. And then even in Return of the Jedi, they just get give, you know, they don't even do anything with, like, a translator. And then so much so that in the sequels, Rey could, like, just talk robot. And, and now it seems like in the Disney era, some people can just understand robot speak essentially um so it was kind of weird in this where there were huge like like translating problems like like no one understood anything r2 was saying and like had he had to be translated like 100 percent um and then like no one understood well, what what chewie was saying except for han solo and i was like okay all right so there's like these weird things that like just kind of get you know hammered out later on as the the franchise grows they they but they didn't know at the time they were just doing you know what they were doing so uh diallo give us uh give us your thoughts on this one i mean you you said everything (laughs) it's nine (laughs) minutes you literally said everything (laughs) it's a little tricky for me to talk about it's it's hard for me to contain my emotions and thoughts sometimes. Let him and, out, baby. Let him out. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm in this strange space in my life where you know I've spent most of it loving Star Wars, but 
after watching Ahsoka, which I actually thought was really good. But I also had this feeling of like, I think I'm over Star Wars. <laughs> and watching this actually kind of like triggered me. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. Because <laughs> I was just like, I was watching it and I was just like, it just took me back to like when Star Wars was just like we had the one movie and we all were like obsessed with the the possibilities out of that. And then that like you know even even the the special the whole special as terrible as it might have been like it was like the thing that we had to add to the lore i remember when it came when they uh they popped in on uh, the muppet show mm -hmm. um yeah and it was like it was like that it was like it was such a like event to see those things because it was just so rare right um and, and that Muppet Show the... episode was the debut of Luke's Bespin outfit because yeah. he was filming because they were both on the same uh, uh, fuck, fucking forgot the name of the set. But Muppets filmed over there in England. Pinewood, the... I think. It yeah, Pinewood. Pine there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So he like no one had ever even seen that costume before the Muppet Show. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then over the years, you know, stuff gets added in. And, you know, I just I'm just I don't know, like it, it, Star Wars just. To me, it, it just is like this poorly executed lore, you know, and like, and so I I was I don't know I was just watching this and it triggered me. <laughs> just was I you know I I feel bad to like I don't I'm not saying Star Wars is terrible at the same time. It really like it's really weird because Ahsoka I thought was good, but I also was just like you know what like I'm just like I'm I'm, I'm done because it's. Watching, because I, I think what was triggering me was, you know, I'm so used to things being, like, declared as canon or not when they appear. And I was like, obviously, you can't say a lot of this stuff is canon. And I was just thinking of, like, you know, like, Luke would have been able to recognize that Boba Fett was like a villain or a Mandalorian, right? Like they yeah. would have known who Mandalorian, but you know, none of that had been thought of at the time, right? Right. And it just, and then that, but that's what got me spiraling into like today's Star Wars just being kind of like kind of a, a put together mess. And so, but I thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, I, I get it. Like, I, I get it. Cause like, Everyone's talking about how good Loki is and everything, and I was the biggest MCU guy and whatnot. And then right. all of a sudden, it just I fell off this cliff where yeah. I just stopped giving all fucks about MCU, and I just mm -hmm. I, I just can't do it anymore. And so I can under, I can so even though I don't feel that way about Star Wars, I can understand because I also talked to other friends who were like like me with Star Wars, and they're like that with the MCU. They're like I don't care. I'm always gonna love it because I grew up reading comic books, and I'm like. I wish I could feel that way. And and I do feel that way about Star Wars. But with the uh -huh. MCU, I'm just I'm so burned out. So I get it. I can completely understand what you're saying in, in that regard. Yeah. And it's it, for me it's not even like we're not even talking about it. like this is this is starting this is gonna become like a uh, uh, a venting session for Star Wars for me, but like, <laughs> it's not even. It's it's funny because it's not even so much the content of Star Wars. Like, I I can sit and it's like 
back, even back in the day, I used to just watch things so solitary. So like I'd watch the movies and then I'd like talk about it with my friends, but there wasn't like, I didn't have to really have to hear about other people's opinions yeah, <laughs> about yeah. it. And what I'm really finding today is that that's all the biggest part of why I'm not enjoying Star Wars anymore. And it's not necessarily like the people that like are the toxic ones that are like, you know, oh, they, they're upset because like a woman is on it. I mean, it's literally like the hyper fandom where like I'm watching episode four of Ahsoka and uh, some guy walks across the screen. And then for the next like week, they're like, they're, they're all these people just telling me about the lore and uh, you needed to watch Rebels and you needed to watch. Are you talking about Rex, that. Captain Rex being on the screen for one second and everyone, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it, it's like, and it, it's just like there's a painting hanging it and on a on a wall and then, and then they just go into all this lore about stuff and it just started to make me realize that like like there there's people are more into stuff that didn't actually happen on screen <laughs> than than actually what happens on screen and it, it's and it's just like i don't know it's just like to this point where i just like i can't take it i watched ahsoka i thought it was cool but then it was just like no but you don't understand the three witches and they went here and, and i'm like dude like that wasn't in the freaking show like i don't yeah <laughs> you know um anyway <laughs> but boba fett cartoon yes yeah, cool. so <laughs> <laughs> All this goes back to the Boba Fett cartoon. <laughs> it actually does, though, because, like I said, like as I was watching it, and I just it just made me remember when things were just more simpler like, times. Yeah, I just was, <laughs> I was watching it, and it was like it was cool to me. Like I, I thought it was cool when like Luke was wearing his his the jacket that he's wearing at the end of A New Hope. Yeah, and yep. so then my brain started to go like, oh, they were like trying to, you know. They were trying to do the next part, and so yeah. that, like, and yeah, I liked, like you said, I liked when he that he was flying the Y wing. It felt like it was also a little. It was interesting because it almost felt like this was a direction Star Wars could have gone in, and they just like they didn't, right? So they yeah. did this. They weren't really happy with it, or whatever. And then they went another because like, it was very like fantasy. Uh, they were like trying to find the amulet or whatever. Um, and C-3PO is like, oh, it can turn you invisible. And like, it like, it, it was like, it, it was like the world could have gone in this lore fantasy vibe. And it just, instead it went the other direction, um, which I'm not going to complain about because I love Empire Strikes Back, but you know what I mean? So it just yeah. like, it just. Well, and to that point, I actually have uh, been watching some droids episodes lately. Um, mm -hmm. And I, they are a bit more whimsical and they yeah. do get into some weirder stuff that even though we all agree, like you said, it's not really canon anymore. Mm -hmm. It is kind of nice and refreshing to see Star Wars take chances because it doesn't know where it's going. Whereas now everything's done by a committee, you know, and everything's yeah. done to appease shareholders. But at, there was a time when this came out where they didn't know which direction it was going to go in. And I feel like they had more fun with things. And so that's mm -hmm. that's also a long way of me saying, guys and gals, if you feel the same way uh, as Diallo, then maybe dive into droids because droids did some of this stuff, um, some weird shit. Like 
one point R2 gets shrunken down and C3P has to like put him into like his chest and stuff like that. I'm like, cause it was, you know, because, because shrink ray and this won't be the only time we talk about a shrink ray this episode, <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that they have fun with in the droids episodes. And when I was younger, I didn't really like that kind of stuff, but now that I'm older, I enjoy the whimsy of, of that. Yeah. So that's, where like that was I, yeah that was a weighted it was a very weighted yeah i kind of didn't know it was going to go that direction it just but i, I was kind of was was on my on my mind when i was watching it it was like you know when they you know seeing boba fett was cool like seeing how the design of him was a little bit different i noticed he had like a little third eye on his helmet which like was kind of kind of weird and you know they refer refer to him as uh darth vader's right hand man yeah um, so it's like you could see that they were like, this was a version of a direction that they wanted to go in at a certain point, and then they just didn't. They went in a different direction uh, when it came to actually putting it on screen. Um, yeah, but it just made me. It just made me. It just made me long for the, another time, and it made me. <laughs> yeah, and it made me a little bit more, you know, because I I I don't like a lot of the stuff that. You know, like Star Wars has done since I know you guys like the prequels, but I just sent the prequels on. I just I'm not. Well, I don't like the prequels. I, I do. I love the prequels. Yeah, that's what he does. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a buffet. Yeah, you, but you, it, you it, but it's you... it's not even so much like the 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 prequels as they exist, but it's sort of like all of these story elements that come in from all over the place and it's not really coordinated and the and then what we end up happening is we have and especially in the Disney era we have these series that come out that basically serve to fill in plot holes for stuff that somebody else did that didn't make sense yeah right and and it just it just uh, breaks my heart <laughs> Uh, Zach, what are your thoughts? <laughs> Let's see if I can uh, wrap this up in, uh, in in three minutes. Uh, I it was good. I liked it. Um, it it's you know I, I'm I content is content. Like if it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. And you know, watching it with a with a nine year old where like his expectations are way different than someone who has put this in their whole life. Their whole you know it's it's. Star Wars is life to some and to others it's not. And, and this was fun. It was whimsical and silly and, um, but also felt like it could have been canon moving forward, but you know, clearly Lucas is not the, uh, the genius everyone paints him to be because <laughs> it's like, there's all these moving parts, you know? So I liked it. I thought it was cool. Han's face was odd to me. I was like, yeah, it's Brock from Pokemon. What's, what the, that's where they got that from. Um, but it was cool hearing all the actual actors doing their parts. And um, the animation is so dreamlike and reminds me of that Spartacus cartoon that I love so much. It's just where you, it feels like a fever dream. And uh, yeah, it's super short. It's nine minutes. Has nothing to do with Christmas, but it's a part of the, or nothing to do with the holidays. But but in a way, it does because it's it's a it's a little present um, from a ninety minute uh, <laughs> fest. TV show that is just <laughs> god awful. So yeah, I'm so Disney knows that because they like you said they put that as a standalone uh, episode. 
I watched the full episode. So in that standalone, did they chop out the parts where little Chaka or Lumpy or whatever the hell his name is? Uh, he's they chop him out of that. Yeah, it just goes right into yeah, it. The anim- just, yeah, yeah. It it was just the it was just the animated thing, and that was it. Yeah, because that's jarring when like suddenly you cut back to. I'm like, oh my god, this is this is terrible. This who thought this was good? Who thought this was good? You know, with his little he it he's totally a little kid nowadays. That uh, an annoying kid that they put a headset on to shut the hell up so he could play his video game so they can have a quiet meal. I've seen those families at dinner. Yeah. Fortunately, my son is not one of those, but I know other parents who have kids like that. So uh, yeah. That, that that was your that was your Nostradamus moment that in the future <laughs> there will be children on little tablets that their parents don't have to deal with. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, no, I liked it. Done. The only thing I'll I'll wrap up and say I was impressed with you know I mean this is seventy eight and and Empire's not going to come out until eighty one, but they like get Boba Fett's like sort of speech pattern right in this. And I don't know if that influenced like how he talked in, in Empire Strikes Back, but I found it was I just thought it was interesting that even though it's not the same voice actor as Empire Strikes Back, they still it was that he sounds like Boba Fett, like the way he talks, sort of that monotone talk and, and, and very sort of quick, you know, quick bursts or whatever. Um, I just thought yeah. it was interesting that they got that right out of the gate. And then it was like, did they just use that as the template for how he talks in Empire Strikes Back? It was really interesting so. to see just like it was again, it, it felt like uh, like reading comic books a lot. You get like this intro to a character that you knew would be like a big deal a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but it, it, in some ways it felt like a workshop for <laughs> they were like workshopping the character. See, see what works and, here. Yeah. yeah. And it, it felt like I mean, he had a lot more personality than he ever had in the movies. Yeah. Um, and so it's just like you could tell that there was it seemed like there was an intention behind him that just at some point they just axed it and went in a different direction. Agreed. Um, but that was uh, it was that, that I mean, that piece was really interesting to me um, again, because going back, just thinking about how it was a blank slate. Star Wars was a yeah. blank slate back then. And it just so it was interesting to see how they were um, expressing the that lore and, and like you said it's like like workshopping it's like okay let's put these this star log in and then i think immediately they're like nope that doesn't work that, <laughs> that voiceover thing doesn't work that's star trek it's 100 percent star trek and i think yeah. you're right like it i'm sure as much as lucas hated the this and you know infamously um i'm sure there was like things that he was like okay that definitely didn't work so let's not do that ever again and mm-hmm. this did work so let's do more of this essentially all right. Um, and Empire Strikes Back was 1980. I don't want to. Oh, okay. Was that? I thought it. we saw it was 81. Uh, okay. You got the year wrong. I feel like somebody out there is going to hear it and then, like, no, they're like, right now they're listening and they're like, <laughs> no. And I just, so I wanted yeah, to, like, acknowledge happen. that. Good job. Got to cover your bases. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so save, save me from getting an email, strongly yeah, worded yeah. email. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Zach, are you ready to. Fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. G.I. Joe's there. Hey, everybody. Co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a second and say thank you to all of our Patreon members who help support the show. Each month, they get access to The Carpenter Factor, Wrap Up After Dark, 
and all kinds of other fun exclusive content. You can sign up for our Patreon over at patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcastingafterdark. Other ways you can help support the show and help us grow is leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We also have a merch store where you can pick up a t-shirt or two, as well as some other fun items. You can find every link to our podcatchers, to our merch store, to Patreon, everything at podcastingafterdark.com. That's podcastingafterdark.com. Now back to the show. Happy holidays from Wild Weasel, you Christmas turkeys. I sure am. It's a G.I. Joe Christmas special. It's a bummer that Transformers never had a Christmas special. They really dropped the bot on that one. Um, Yeah, from You Said It, from 1985, season one, episode 39, uh, some say 33, depending on which site you go to, the G.I. Joe fandom site, because maybe they don't include the miniseries. Oh, um, okay. The first, I don't know, whatever. It doesn't matter. It was in the first season, and it's awesome. Cobra Cobra Claw, Cobra Claws are coming to town. Cobra Claws are coming to town. The basic uh, synopsis of this episode is that Cobra uses a shrinking weapon so that they can pull like a Trojan horse uh, inside a Joe base to take over the Joe base, steal their equipment, frame Joes by um, taking over, what is it, Liberty City? What's the name? Oh, that was a Keystone City? Keystone City. By taking over over Keystone City. I was like, like, Diallo, isn't that where uh, The Flash Flash is from? Yeah, the the, uh, OG Flash. That's why I I was still stuck on that. (laughs) And Marvel Marvel owns G.I. Joe, so at the time anyways. So there's, you know, Um, biting off a DC. The writer... I mean, you'll probably go over it, but one of one of the writers of it was a longtime comic book writer, I think. Oh yeah, I believe so. Yes, yeah, yeah. The Joe's the Joe's attack Keystone City to, uh, or sorry, Cobra attack has intentions to take over Keystone City with GI Joe equipment to make it look like the Joes did it to frame the Joes. Um, the Joes obviously thwart this attack by getting the upper hand, getting the molecular reducer and larger <laughs> that Destro created uh, that he gave to Firefly, which Firefly broke. Shame on you, Firefly. And then Destro breaks it again. Um, and, and in the process of this, the G.I. Joes find their Christmas spirit. Um, Mutt is kind of one of the featured Joes in this, and he's down on the dumps. Christmas isn't the same to him because, you know, his parents were too busy to include him in holiday cheer. They didn't even let him, they didn't let me even decorate the Christmas tree. Junkyard, junkie. You know, they didn't have have too too much time. They didn't have time for good old mutt. You know, it's okay. It's okay. And, you know, Roblox trying to cheer him up by making his turkey dinner. And um, (laughs) Hold on. Hold on, dude. (laughs) Smack your lips and feast your eyes. Roadblock cooked you a big surprise. Yes, it is. And, and of course, he calls Baroness a witch when you have a feeling he meant something else. That witch has a way 
with the laser ray. Right. <laughs> I wrote them both down. This episode is filled with, I'll just run down the Joes that are featured in this. Uh, Cover Girl, who is a pleasant surprise from Scarlet and Lady J. Yeah. I think, uh, Lady J came on towards the tail end of the first season and then obviously was predominant throughout the second season. Um, Dusty. And first thing Bodhi noticed, he's like, they're in the middle of winter at a winter base. Uh, and Dusty is in his full desert storm regalia. And, and he's like, why is he dressed for the desert when they're in the winter? I'm like, it's the G.I. Joe's, Bodhi. What, what do you expect? He goes, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, at least they're wearing jackets, rack. at least, because I hate it. When a Joe, like someone like Quick Kick, will go out into the snow and have no problems, but at least they put him in the jacket. Yeah, so, yeah, everyone's featured in their winter gear, which as a toy, uh, a a G.I. Joe nut, I always was bummed that they didn't sell, like, that version of them, which I think Super 7, with their $80 toys now, are coming out with winter versions of of the Joes, which is pretty cool. Anyways, uh, Shipwreck and Polly. Polly gets enlarged uh, (laughs) and saves the day at the end. And it's really feet. That's one of the big parts of this episode is is shipwrecks. Bird Polly is the one that kind of saves the day for the GI Joes by interfering with Cobra Commander at, at um, like Rodan size. Yes, at Rodan size. <laughs> uh, like I said, like like we said, uh, Roadblock is in this episode. Mutt a junkyard and tripwire a blowtorch and tripwire and wild and wild Bill and Duke tripwire. And, of course, Duke, yeah. Uh, Tripwire is at the base in the episode, but when they go off to attack Cobra, he's suddenly gone from the episode, which is a bummer because I really like Tripwire. Some, someone's got to stay and man the defenses, dude. I get That's a good point, yeah. Was he the one that uh, was uh, shooting? He shot the enlarger gun a little bit he later? He did the, yeah. the molecular little... reducer okay. enlarger. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. use the full title when we refer uh, <laughs> to the reimbiginator. Yeah. So, and then on the Cobra side, of course, it's Major Blood and Cobra Commander, who has his uh, hood and, and like his his metal uh, mask, and he's also has his hood at one point. He goes casual. Yeah. He puts his hood on when they're not attacking. Uh, Destro, Snake Robots, which I always love. Yep. Mm-hmm. And there's a great moment where Duke uh, blasts a, uh, a snake robot in the face to, so it explodes in, in the, the back. It's amazing. Base. Firefly, of course, one of my favorite Cobras. Mine too. And Zartan and his Dreadnoughts. Um, and... And in this episode, there is holiday cheer. There's references to uh, Jingle Bells Rock is sung throughout by Polly. Um, it, it, it's you're gonna talk- cover girl utter cover girl cover girl uh, utters this great line. What's gotta be's gotta be. I wrote that I one that down line. too. <laughs> and, I was uh, like sage advice. <laughs> yeah, I was like they said that back then. Was, yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> and. Of course, um, you know, Duke is a ladies' man. Uh, Cover Girl makes a move on Duke, and Bodie's like, whoa, that's sus. Isn't he with Scarlet? And I go, ah, it was a kiss on the cheek. They're friends. And, um, of course, everybody at the end is happy that, you know, Cobra has been defeated. G.I. Joe saved the day, except for Shipwreck, because he has this love-hate relationship with his bird, uh, Mutt finds his Christmas cheer at the end because, hey, when you kick Cobra's ass on Christmas Eve, 
uh, why not have a little bit of cheer in your life? And that's the basic outline of the show. Uh, Cobra Claws are coming to town. It doesn't get any better than seeing Cobra Commander standing in front of a Merry Christmas sign, you know, basically telling everybody he's going to take over the world. But what are your guys' thoughts? Diallo, what's your thought on Cobra Claws are coming to town? Cobra Claws are coming to town. Uh, you forgot about the part where Shipwreck was riding a big hunk of meat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. At Grinding one point, on that motherfucker, too. <laughs> he was. At one point, the Joes, obviously, Cobra gets, Cobra always gets the upper hand, and they throw the Joes in a meat locker while Zartan impersonates Duke to send out a message to the people at Keystone City that they're, you know, going to take over, basically. I was like, maybe that's why he was so so sad in the end. <laughs> he wanted his meat. He wanted that meat. Give me back my meat, you swabby. <laughs> On the twelfth day of Christmas, <laughs> my true <laughs> meat gave to me. Cobra Commander gave to me. <laughs> Twelve pounds of beef. <laughs> I mean, it's GI Joe. It was great. I don't know. Like it was, it was a little silly. It, it was. I don't know why. I don't know why this made me like laugh, or whatever. But kind of out loud, I was like, "I was like, Cobra's a bunch of dicks. Like they, like they're attacking on Christmas. Like that's, come on, man. Right? <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, it was fun. The embiggenator gun was ama- molecular reducer was, enlarger. Was amazing. The the naming of it was so on. Point. <laughs> my molecular induce, reducer enlarger. I, I do appreciate no. that Destro said like this took decades of R and D. You know, I was like, yeah. okay, at least at least it took decades. I appreciate that. Destro Industries. I did like. Um, I mean, so Polly is annoying. Like, it's actually kind of funny because it's like, weren't they all there when were, were they all there when Polly got shrunk or not? I can't. Yes, they were. Yeah, and so then Wild Bill was a Wild Bill. <laughs> yeah. was like, "Hey, it looks like there's flies here." And it's like, don't, don't, "Did you not just see the bird?" <laughs> yeah, Wild Bill <laughs> almost killed Polly. He even makes he's a comment the, like, "Cobras brought some flies with them." You know? <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. Like, like what? <laughs> but then, but the part that was kind of tripping me out was like, shipwreck was like. This is the worst thing that ever I like. I never wanted this to happen or ever. Like, Polly got made real big. And I'm like, why, why, why is that the worst thing that could have ever happened to you? Like, and it made me start thinking, like, what, like, are you doing something to this, something to this bird? And he's got a small pig. You're so afraid that it's going to get vengeance on you like i was got an inferiority complex i'm thinking about that (laughs) he was really upset by it he was was why do you i was like why do you care like why do you what do you care right like zach if if your dog just like turned into a giant dog all of a sudden like Like clifford yeah you wouldn't be like oh (laughs) you wouldn't be like all sad and upset and grumpy like you know you know what i mean like and it was like it was about about him not about anything else it was really weird i'm trying to remember too if he had Polly when we first were introduced to shipwreck uh back in the weather dominator miniseries if he had Polly at that point or if he was just rolling solo so my world building is that 
he had a good friend that had the parrot. That good friend died at the hands of Cobra and, and told him on his deathbed, please take care of my bird. If it's the last thing you do, never let that bird out of your sight. <laughs> that's some that's some Star Wars level headcanon that you have to uh, do to make well, that with, work. With GI Joe, you can do that. GI Joe is pretty pretty easy to build any sort of world building because they leave the they leave the playing field wide open. Yeah. Um, did you? Yeah. Did you guys catch? Um, and by the way, I thought it was Scarlet. So yeah, it's Cover Girl for most of it, um, and then Lady J for another part. But did you see Cover Girl's Leroy Jenkins move, where she was just like, <laughs> "Grab him!" She just goes yeah. running. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" She Wait, when charge. does Lady J pop up? Oh, I th- okay. So is, is it always? Uh, it's always Cover Girl. Okay, it's always yeah, Cover it's, Girl. It's, it's all always Cover Girl. So it was her then <laughs> inside when they finally basically jump on Destro when he's got the gun. And I thought that was Lady J. I was thrown off by the CoverGirl thing because I don't really have much memory of CoverGirl. But I love how she took a playbook playbook or uh, took a play out of the Ray Stance playbook where she's like, grab him, smother him, just tackle him. And it just reminded me of the beginning of Ghostbusters where Ray's like, I got a plan, grab her, you know? I was like, okay, so so CoverGirl... She makes some interesting choices in this episode. Yeah, she was not in featured in a lot of episodes. Um, she was kind of a background character, which was co- cool to see her get more of a bigger presence in this one. Yeah, I was actually happy to see her in this one because, yeah, like I said, you, she hardly ever was in anything. She like what did she come with a vehicle or not um, as a toy? She did. She came with like some sort of tank yeah, type thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's and yeah, and it was it was actually really cool to see her in this episode. And then um yeah, Duke was Duke was like I'm going to take I'm going to accept this kiss from you even though there's no mistletoe to use as, as an excuse when Scarlet breathes down my <laughs> Neck, why were you kissing on that woman, Duke? And <laughs> I, I feel like something might have happened a little bit later. I'm not sure. I mean, he had the handcuffs and or the key to the handcuffs, and uh... <laughs> there was a lot. There was a lot of in, innuendo. I kind of actually felt like it was Scarlet, and then at some point they like changed the cell or something for some well, reason. Oh yeah. Well, the thing That's is, good, like, I mean, yeah. she's wearing her her you know winter outfit, so it's kind of the all the Joes have the same thing. It's kind of like this tunic thing, um, yeah. or just a big jacket. It's all kind of tannish and her hair is just like a little bit more orange than than mm-hmm. scarlet's is so and i just man as, as a kid i don't remember ever seeing CoverGirl in episodes it was always lady mm-hmm. j or, or scarlet but now in this episode snake eyes is not in it or scarlet so we can assume that they're on a maybe they're on a mission or something so if that's the case then duke is definitely gonna go get his uh cover girl tonight Yo, Joe. <laughs> and, and I don't know, who, who knows what Scarlet and Snake Eyes are doing? Right? Ex- exactly. Ex- we'll never know because Snake Eyes would never talk. He never kisses and tell. <laughs> he would never yes. kiss. Now, I will, uh, Corey, what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'll say the the second half of it is nothing but action, and it is awesome action. I love it. Um, the the conceit of the shrinking ray can't stand it. Fucking. <laughs> hate that kind of shit and i and i'm watching this now and i'm like yep young Corey would have hated this episode because of that and uh older Corey, 
very much bothered by it, but it doesn't like nail put a nail in the coffin or anything like that. But I'm like, I'm just watching. I'm, I'm pulling a Diallo, and I'm just like, so you shrink all of your guys in your <laughs> gears. Like the implications of this are just massive. Whereas nowadays you would just have like a drone or something, or even back then they could have just had a robotic. All they had to do was turn the power grid off. Like, that's all they're trying to do. So I get the idea of Trojan horsing, you know, something to come in and do that. But they already have, like, we've already established robotics. But now we have to buy the Cobra can shrink and then reinvigorate things. I'm just like, and then you can make them even bigger. So that way you could you could then just make an army of giants. And I know that we saw something like this in um, the G.I. Joe comic book that we reviewed last year where the bats yeah. got big and, like, giant. But that was because they were using Aladdin's lamp that they found, which, weirdly, I can buy that. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that they used the Honey, I Shrunk your, the Kids device. It's just, man. But it, it's only – that's only, like – 10 minutes of this, you know, or maybe even five minutes of like this 22 episode, 22 minute episode. But I'm like, again, the implications are massive. All the things that they could do with this. But of course the device breaks so they can't use it again. You know? Well, it would have been cool if they made some reference to, you know, capturing Dr. Pym and using his Pym particles to make this molecular reducer and larger. But they didn't. And if you have that, why didn't they just shrink the Joes instead of putting them in into the? the it's just and it's because I'm a commander, not a genius. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I get it, guys and gals. I, I get it, you know. So ultimately, I think it's a super fun episode. I actually think I like it more than I, I probably would have when I was younger because of that. But since I got past that, the second half of it, it's like almost 12 minutes of just pure action in the second half, which is awesome and it's really good action too and it's one of those episodes where the animation is a bit better it's like it's a good it's one of the better animated episodes um i love that and the only thing i have to say is because i've also been watching a lot of uh because i got the chow factory dvd box set um of the sunbow gi joe stuff and boy oh boy did i forget about the the opening with the giant flying cobra city thing because all I remember seeing the mothership, in, yeah the yeah. mothership thing all I remember seeing in syndication is the GI Joe the movie intro where after that movie came out they I feel like they tacked that intro on to every all the syndicated shows because well, you're, that's all I saw. I feel like at for at some point that was the only intro I ever saw was the Statue of Liberty one. I don't. Yeah, I you you won't see that on the Sunbow uh, DVDs. It, it's it's that intro. You know, there's there's like three separate intros because the le- the last one they did at the tail end of the sh- series was uh, with Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. You yep. know, getting off the and and battling um, Serpentor basically. Um, but then then the first one is the first seat. The first. I don't know, 20 some odd episodes. It's a different intro. Yeah. And then but the in between, it's the one with, you know, Lady, Lady J and Flint and all those guys. So they got to feature all those characters and uh, the intros are always so great. And this episode is, you know, it, it's textbook. It, it's it, it follows the, the Joe playbook to a T and it kind of gets crapped on a lot because it's people are like, oh, it's, yeah, like you said, it's so silly. But it's nostalgic fun, like it's 80s Christmas episode. Anything that any show like this that has a Christmas episode, 
I just love because it's so absurd, you know, and it's got a big hunk of meat in it. So what do you want? And dude, like you, I'm a Firefly is one of my favorite uh, Cobra characters. So cool. And I, one of my favorite G.I. Joe characters. And I love seeing him and Wild Weasel do their jobs at the beginning when they get the, the toys like in there and everything. They do their jobs. It's It's refreshing to see Cobra people like not fuck up. And and that ray you're talking about, that gun will be a similar one is used in Worlds Without End, the two parter that I always talk that's, about. So that's that one was that one traumatized me as a kid. That one and the one where um, shipwreck is in that town and everyone melts yeah. and turns into the stuff. Those two yeah. episodes are what I when I learned that cartoons could actually freak me out as a kid. Yeah, we might have to do a a, a GI Joe specific episode of like most traumatic episodes because worlds without end is that two-parter is gold and that yeah the one with shipwrecks great too and the one where dusty becomes a traitor is pretty good also yeah 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 no there's also it's awesome shit Anyways. um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no i, I mean i love gi joe too and uh definitely had the christmas feels which i like and i hadn't seen this episode probably since i was a kid so like seeing uh, Cobra Commander standing in front of the Merry Christmas. I was like, everyone posts that on Instagram, like all the 80s everyone. you know, pages post that image on Christmas Day and everything like that. I'm right. like, I'm like, oh, that's that's where it's this. It's this episode. That's where it's from. Yeah. Merry Christmas, you turkeys. <laughs> hey, everybody. Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. And now, back to the show. Well, G.I. Joe down. Guys, we knew this was going to be a pretty quick episode, especially since my uh my show was nine minutes long um well i was gonna say i was gonna say to go from to go from a uh sad sack like mutt complaining that he never got to trim the christmas tree to a bitter angry man understandably because his adamantium's throughout his body uh with with wolverine that's a nice little segue Wolverine is the mutt, or mutt is the Wolverine. Of yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> right. I get it. But uh, Diallo, you want to take us into probably the the most Christmassy of all three of these shows? Because I feel like the the X Men one, even though the GI Joe had a lot more action to it than the X Men one did, I feel like uh, there wasn't the 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 point 
wasn't quite there as much as in the X-Men one. The, the Christmas spirit is definitely there with uh, yes. this one. So, Diallo, take us into uh, Have Yourself a Morlock Little Christmas. Yeah, I'm not going to belabor the point because um, there's no way I'm going to win the argument. But it's like it, this episode and the Christmas, uh, the G.I. Joe episode, which are sort of like why for years I would um, say that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie <laughs> because it like this sort of typifies what Christmas is in this actual story, whereas that just happens to take place at Christmas. Right. Um, but I don't engage in that conversation anymore. <laughs> people are very passionate about it. And I'll let them have their fun. But um, anyway, um, yes. So the X-Men, this is absolutely not obscure yeah (laughs) at all i was just like you know what like i really love and i really love x-men so um wanted to do this christmas episode um so the name of this episode is have yourself a morlock little christmas xmas um because there's a war in christmas i guess so you can't say even back in 1995 yeah i remember like in the 70s people having that conversation so oh, anyway. yeah um little fun fact uh larry houston um was the director of this episode and he uh he was on my panel last year at la comic-con i remember that cool. um, yeah it was really cool um is aired december 23rd 1995 actually i kind of feel like this might be why the, the whole numbering thing is happening because they might have like aired it at a certain point out of order. Oh yeah, okay. To to hit Christmas, and maybe that's why it's coming in like weird. I mean, that's a sweet spot. If they landed this episode on the twenty third, that's awesome. <laughs> right, right, right. So, but like it might have been like the twelfth episode. Yeah. In the season, yeah. And they just yeah, but it was actually they shuffle things around. Seventeen, yeah. I just I was really wondering about this because like on Disney Plus it's uh, episode seventeen and everywhere else it was like twelve. Yeah. So, um, the uh, story is about um, we kind of open up in Xavier's mansion and everyone's getting ready for Christmas. Um, (laughs) Gambit is trying to make some delicious food using spices and Jean Grey is being a white bitch. <laughs> I didn't want to go, go no, really in there. Dope. And I'm like, yeah, she's being yeah. such a fucking white person. She's Dude, like, like he... there's, you can't put that spicy garbage in my food. And I'm watching this now and I'm like, Oh my God. And then she's like was... cooking with broccoli. And yeah, he's trying yeah. to... <laughs> I was just like, dude, I know I saw it. And I was like, Fucking white people, man. <laughs> he was just trying to put some spices in <laughs> into their lives, you know. And she wasn't having it. No. She was like, she practiced probably the origins of the Dark Phoenix. Uh, <laughs> it came from this. Came from saga, yeah. right. She's like, we're not having that. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyways, uh, and uh, anyways. <laughs> They're decorating the tree. Cyclops can't sing. He's like singing out, <laughs> out of tune. <laughs> um, and uh, Jubilee, uh, Wolverine's running around all grumpy. and Because he's Wolverine. Jubilee, yeah, Jubilee decides, hey, let's go shopping. Maybe that'll cheer you up. Retail therapy or something. Because she knows Logan right. so well. Yeah. Well, it's actually funny because 
that it's like her or Jubilee's origins actually like she debuted in a mall. She was like a mall like orphan or something yeah. like that. So I mean it kind of made sense, but anyways, they get there and it things turn dark and mysterious. There's an ambulance crash and then we see these Morlock characters and the X-Men try to stop them. A fight breaks out and eventually it, we find out that there's a new mutant named Leech or a new a new mutant, I'm sorry, a Morlock named Leech that is sick. So the X-Men end up going there. Storm is actually the leader of the Morlocks, and she's been absentee, um, you know, mother um, to totally them. I totally forgot about that storyline with, with Storm being the leader of the Morlocks. Yeah, I will never forget it. <laughs> um there's this whole back and forth about that. Like she, like she isn't really like these Morlocks are like kind of suffering without a leader. Um, and then they want Wolverine to. She wants Wolverine to use his healing factor blood to try to help heal Leech. And then there's a whole rigmarole about getting uh, Hank uh, beasts to come in and be a doctor and all kinds of stuff. Anyways, it kind of works out in the end. And then Storm. Uh, ends up passing the baton, so to speak, to uh, Callisto, who was the who was the original leader of the Morlocks, and the founder of them also. I actually have written down the story in the form of "Twas the Night Before Christmas." If you guys want to hear it, <laughs> yeah, go for it, buddy. It <laughs> you might, took it, the time. It, Do it, man. It, it might run a little long. That's all right. That's um, okay. Go for it. Twas Christmas with the X-Men, a festive affair, decking the halls with Rogue, Jubilee, and Scott with flair. Scott tried to sing a terrible sound. Jubilee sought Logan, jingle bells to expound. In the kitchen, Remy and Jean <laughs> Remy and Jean had their spat. Cajun spices clashed with Jean's culinary chat. <laughs> <laughs> In his lab, Hank brewed a Yuletide brew while Xavier and Aurora, Aurora watched the joyous crew. A blast, a disturbance, a cranberry glaze mess. X-Men rushed to the scene in Christmas distress. Logan arrived, finding it all a false alarm. Disturbed by good cheer, he sought a calm. Jubilee convinced him to shop with delight. In the stores, she beamed. Logan just wanted the night. Ice skating at Rockefeller, joy and despair. Sirens wailed, something was in the air. An ambulance skated, almost crashing the ice. Aurora's powers moved in away, a hero's device. Morlocks emerged, ape and Annalie distressed. Leech was sick, his powers a chaotic mess. Jubilee with presence grabbed them with glee. To the Morlocks tunnels the X-Men would be. Callisto, the Watcher, not happy at all, yet united they'd be to answer the call. A broken ornament adorned the Morlock tree. Storm commanded, Logan resisted. It couldn't be. Jubilee found Mariana, a small girl in need, comforting each other, a true Christmas deed. Aurora refused to believe Leech was lost. Logan questioned if his powers could defrost. <laughs> 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 Sometimes you start just trying to find words that time. Yeah. <laughs> Berated for neglect, Morlocks in pain, a transfusion attempted, hope not in vain. Back at the mansion, argument still held. Rogue, fly, Hank, 
the rogue flew Hank, the Morlocks compelled. Despite the ordeal, Leech remained frail, the scepter of power a leader's tale. Callisto took command, Aurora stepped back, an invitation extended, a dinner track. Jubilee gave presents, a gesture, a gesture so grand, autonomy for Morlocks, a gift unplanned. Remy and Jean, unhappy with the fate, yet Xavier praised Jubilee, making spirits elevate. A Christmas tale with mutants, a story profound, in the spirit of giving, joy and love abound. Hey, good one, buddy. Merry Christmas. This made me feel so much better than my Star Wars rant. <laughs> nice job. Nice job. Well played. <laughs> Zach, go for it, buddy. I mean, I'll everything Diallo said is my sentiments exactly. I will say don't let anyone spray you in the face with cologne. If they do, uh, you have every right to punch them back. Um, and I, you know, I'm not, I did not grow up reading X-Men and was not super familiar. And I didn't watch this show in the the nineties. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just, I wasn't, it wasn't my thing back then. It was too popular. Um, I, <laughs> I think so. I think a little bit of it was like, I was like, I don't know. I, I was, I liked, um, I, I was really into, we talked about this, you know, Punisher more at the time, Daredevil more at the time. And so I, I was like, it just wasn't my thing at the time. So I'm glad I watched. I actually watched this last year with Bodie. We were looking for Christmas cartoon episodes. That's why when we the pre-planning of this episode, I was like, have we done this one before? Because I remember watching it with him then and he didn't like it that much then. But then we watched it now and we liked it much more now because he's older. He gets it. He gets more the the theme. Um, and every time I see Beast, I can't not think of Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> just like, oh God, I, I don't want that to be Kelsey Grammer. Um, but no, it was so much fun. It's a great episode. And right down to, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas tree yes. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I really, really enjoyed it. It was put me in the Christmas spirit. Yeah. How about you, Corey? Yeah, I thought this one was the most Christmassy of all three of them. Like, just a, distilling things down to, like, the, the true spirit. Um, but I did watch this show, and I did read X-Men at this time, and I read them, um, you know, up to this time frame. You know, like, I read them X-Men from the 80s and the 90s. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, man, this is my favorite era of X-Men. Every character... I love them. I, I love the cartoon. I was like, oh, my God, the Morlocks. I fucking forgot about the Morlocks. And then on top of it, I forgot that Storm was, like, the leader of the Morlocks. I was like, oh, my God, all this shit. Now, it's not a very action-y episode, um, but I don't think it needs to be, and I think that's okay. And I think this is uh, – I think the, 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 the message would have been diluted a little bit uh, if, if there was too much action in this episode. But a few things that I sort of – noted and i and i sent them pic pictures to you guys but i'll just say it again here um <laughs> aurora's like outfit before they go shopping she is wearing all right guys and gals it's a it's it's like a tight fitting one piece dress thing but it's peach colored with 
teal tiger stripes all down the side of it. I'm, it is wild. Um, and then Jubilee, Diallo, correct me if I'm wrong, and I know I'm not because I looked up the pictures. No, you're you're absolutely yeah. right. So yeah. why is Jubilee wearing Boom Boom's costume when they go out? Yeah, I mean, I don't remember. Was Boom Boom on the cartoon or no? I, I don't remember. I don't. I don't think she was because at yeah, this I don't point, wasn't she, she was, on yeah. like she was like in New Mutants and stuff by this point. Yeah, Boom Boom was uh, that. Yeah, she started out in X Factor, I think, and then yeah. and then jumped jumped over. Um, like because I don't think she was in the cartoon. I think literally they just that's what they did. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> they're like yeah. we don't have to design it. It's right here. She doesn't exist in the cartoon, anyways. Um, yeah. Nowadays we would call that an Easter egg. Um, and nowadays they would have said Jubilee would have been like, hey, I found this in Boom Boom's you know closet. But right, back then right. they're just like, no one's gonna notice. And then we yeah. all. We all, Diallo, you and I become uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Once Upon yeah. a Time in Hollywood. We're like, right there, yeah. you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think, like, because they all had to wear, like, regular clothes. She it was Christmas, right? Yeah. Like, it was winter. So if she went in her normal outfit, which she's shorts. wearing shorts, yep. and it just would have looked little different yeah. a little weird yeah no no i i get it i totally get it but i'm just like yeah. i was sitting there watching and I, I blinked and i'm like is that, isn't that that's boom boom <laughs> and yeah. i love boom boom is because you you and i always talk about it that you know we both love like dazzler and boom boom like the, you yeah. know, the characters from back then um yeah. but yeah i i thought it was fun i thought it was really cool um i think like rewatchability i would probably watch the gi joe one more just because it has more action in it but this one i think really sells the meaning of christmas and you know jubilee learns the meaning of christmas you know freaking logan kind of learns the meaning of christmas and i like the whole thing with him and leech and he doesn't want to to give the kid a transfusion and of course everyone's like oh you're a dick and he's like i'm not a dick like i've done this like 20 times and it's only worked twice like i, I yeah. liked i liked his fear and you know and at some point he's like what do you like he doesn't say it this way but it's almost like He's like, do you think I'm a fucking monster? Like, I don't want anything to happen to Leech. Like, but I just also don't want to kill him either with my blood. And I used to read um, Savage Dragon. And early on in Savage Dragon, he had to give somebody a, a, a transfusion. And they kind of turned green and got a, a the thing, like, mm -hmm. the fin. And then they yeah. were just sitting in the car with him, and they exploded. So I was having flashbacks of that. I was waiting for Leech to just explode right there, you know? But yeah. it was a sweet episode. And when I was younger, this is probably another one that I probably would not have liked. Um, I, I can't tell you for sure, but I probably didn't pay but half attention to it. Now, I love it. I, I love there's so much Christmas music in this one. Like, the G.I. Joe one didn't have as much Christmas music. This one had a lot more Christmas music. They're, like, in New York, Rockefeller Center. It's snowing. I, I just loved all that shit. And then, you know, even though, like, not a lot happens with the Morlocks, I was still, like, having all the nostalgia feels for the Morlocks and Callisto. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I forgot about Callisto and, you know, and shit like that. And also Aurora's, uh, her second outfit, like her jacket thing man she she's got some yeah, style to her she was it was so like because i haven't watched this cartoon since it went off the air yeah me too this is I've, probably the I've, first I've, time i've seen it since yeah and i've been meaning to go back you know especially when they announced uh x-men 97 yeah coming um but you know watching this it just like it it took me back again i'm gonna i'm going to another rant i'm sorry guys <laughs> um I appreciate the X-Men movies for what they were for the most part until the the very last few of them just kind of like log, I think completely lost their way. Um, and I, but I, I felt like they were like, they were good enough for the time, especially when 
comic book movies weren't like a sure bet yet and they were like they were a version of the x-men that felt like it was like at least they kind of looked cool on tv yeah but like watching the cartoon like this cartoon is to me is like the best representation of the x-men um outside of the comic books like it just like it was it's able to encapsulate like all the characters uh the storylines because um, that's one of the things that the the movies especially tend to do is they get so stuck on just like one or two storylines and it's like so Wolverine heavy that they skip over the myriad of characters that the X-Men universe has and storylines that the X-Men have had, like the Morlocks, who we've never seen in the movies at all, right? And it's always ends up being the Phoenix saga, like every time, right? It's kind of like how DC can't not do Flashpoint because that's like all we have, yeah. And they just do it over and over and over again. But there's so many, there's so many stories that the X-Men have had and they've done so many. They Remember when they were like in the Outback? And, yeah, and, uh, that was, yeah. That was when have, I was reading the comics, yes. Yeah, and, and, yeah. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Gateway. Gateway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're like when they, when they, the, the leading up to that, when they, um, they like stepped into the siege perilous. Yeah, it was yeah. like, was it the? And, and then, they, and that's when Psylocke the, came out. Uh, you know, and and the, the Asian as Asian Psylocke was before she she wasn't, and that's when they mixed it all up because they stepped into that. Thing. Yeah, that was yeah. when I got into X Men. That was when I was first read. That was like. 87, 88, yeah, it's like somewhere late around 80s, there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they were, you know, and like they had the, and the, with the whole, and the Reavers, I was, the Reavers. I think it was, yeah, the Reavers, they had like the Fall of the Mutants, I think that's what, where the, with the, with the Mis- Morlocks yep. and, and Mr. Mr. Sinister. Sinister. Yep. Like they had, they had all this stuff and the, and that was all in the cartoon. Like, yeah. and they, and they just, uh, and I was watching just this one episode. And I was like, oh man, they, they did it so well. well and, <laughs> they did it so well. And Zach, I know you showed Bodie, but th- I mean, this episode is heavy. Like they deal with some like heavy shit. Like you know, like obviously PTSD with with Logan and and I mean the shit that's going on with with Storm and stuff. Like it's it's a heavy episode. Did that did that add anything for Bodhi when he's watching it now? No, I mean I I honestly this cartoon's definitely geared towards an older audience because it's not the subject matter. I think that. Not like, you know, I think in general, most kids want to see more action and more, you know, versus like deep story because this this definitely digs into a more dramatic uh, storyline, which is great. And, and like you guys said, it follows the comic books really well. Um, and and, you know, the execution is really good, but I think it definitely is made for an older audience. I would say at least 10 years old in general. Yeah. Cause I think most kids, most kids would be like a lot of this would be over their heads, you know? Yeah. X-Men but definitely th- was like a teenager, more of a teenager kind of yeah. thing. And this had a teenager vibe to it. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Which is all good. It's cool. Just simply seeing rogue fly up to, and I just, I was actually had a conversation the other day about, um, rogue. Cause I think, um, Actually, it was uh, Jamie and Glatzka. Actually, we were talking about before we were recording, but it was just like she had—I don't—she had never read the comic books and she never never watched the cartoons, so she'd only seen the movies. And I was just talking about how how cool Rogue was, and she's never give, been given that treatment on screen, you know. And um, and watch it like you were just talking about Storm, just how 
like this version of Storm is it was such a good representation. She was so regal and majestic and yeah. like exotic and beautiful, but powerful and strong. And like she embodies all those things. And I'm, I don't think that they ever, uh, you know, I, I like Halle Berry like to a degree, but like like she just I always felt like she was miscast yeah you know like I was it should have been Angela Bassett you know I to, always to me, thought it should have been always, Angela Bassett even always. even when I watched uh Black Panther 2 I was like she still could play Storm yeah she's still you know? Storm she's still yeah. Storm it really like got me into my X-Men feels I was just like man this the, this cartoon is such a good representation but I, I can also see like you know like talking like about like with Zach and um Bodie watching it like especially if you because this is much later in the show. This is like season four. Yeah. And so if you don't like, really know the characters or anything, I can kind of see how the, the what they're going through might not pop as much because you don't you're a little lost. Right. Like you don't know yeah. where you're where you're sitting with like, who are these people underground? Who are these people? And, and if they're mutants, like, why don't they just live at the, the school? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a little classism on Storm's part because mm-hmm. she was just like because <laughs> it basically was that it was like she's like Christmas Christmas is special when you're when you're with your family. It doesn't matter <laughs> if you're in the mansion. <laughs> well, I thought they were going to bring them back to the mansion to have the giant feast. But no, yeah. they just have it in the sewers. And I'm just like, oh, OK. Sorry, we can't help come home. We're not going to dirty up our mansion for you all. I but we will grace you with our presence. <laughs> and and for everyone wondering what's inside of all the gifts that they bought, apparently food because they're like there's food inside these. I'm like, oh, cool. Must oh, be man. like uh, summer sausage and, and cheese rolls and stuff like that, or one of those uh, popcorn uh, tin things or whatever. Yeah. Oh, I love that stuff. I love that. Uh, well. Final thoughts on all these, uh, Zach, and, and of course, uh, give the Bodhi rating um, or his his thoughts on, on all three of these. But, um, yeah, just uh, give us your final thoughts. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, overall, it's a nice to see three totally different episodes that have, you know, no connection whatsoever. and and But, you know, one being totally not Christmas related. <laughs> One having holiday cheer in it, and the other one being more Christmas centric. Um, it was a lot of fun. It's it. And it's also from three separate decades, which was cool. Uh, for you know, I, we always seem to do that, but not like coincidentally. Yeah. It just works out that way. And I think you know, Bodie preferred the GI Joe one. That's his favorite because he's grown up with GI Joe. He loves GI Joe. He loved that Boba Fett one. He thought the animation was really cool. Yeah. And the X-Men one, he he liked. It was just, I think a lot of it was over his head, especially with storyline. And we've never really delved into X-Men because that's the other thing, too, about the X-Men movies, per se. If you're going to, like, show... You can show a Marvel movie from, you know, the past 10, 15 years. But those X-Men movies are way more mature than... Uh, than a lot of the Marvel movies are like Ant-Man, for example, which is super kid friendly, but the X-Men movies are just a little bit more intense and darker. And, and, and I'd rather just show them the cartoon if I'm going to show them anything, you know, if he wants to watch something versus read about it in a comic book. That's my thoughts. Okay. Yeah. I think, um, I kind of did the, had the same thing happen with my nephew when I showed him the Transformers movie a couple years ago when we first started having our, uh, you know, him spend the night and we, we show him movies and stuff and everything. And I just, you know, it's like, hey, let's watch Transformers the movie, you know, yeah. He's just like, 
like no point of comparison so also no idea who the good guys are who the bad guys are what the setup is and i was like ah i kind of i kind of just threw you into the deep end with no training whatsoever (laughs) you know so i i I get it if like if this is like bodie's like first uh first attempt at watching x-men it's like okay okay yeah it's it's probably a bit bit to chew on you know it's a lot to chew yeah yeah uh diallo what are your final thoughts on all three of these yeah i mean you know i loved i loved all of them i i I can't i can't even really rank them i just i like them um all all three of these things were dear to my heart at different points in my life and i i couldn't be like uh in this case i couldn't really be like oh this one's better than that one and that one i just they, I like them all. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm with you, buddy. I mean, all three of these are were near and dear to my heart at, at some point in my life. Um, so it is nice to kind of go through all of them. I think at this point, because I've seen um, more G.I. Joe stuff recently because of the box set that I have and everything, I was a bit more... I guess, you know, like shocked by the X-Men stuff. So it was a bit more engaging for me because I was like, oh, my God, Morlocks. Oh, my God, Callisto. Oh, my God. Like all these things were kind of like flooding back, whereas G.I. Joe, I'm still sort of I've always been in that world, uh, essentially. Um, But this did kind of make me want to go back and watch the X-Men cartoon um, because it does remind me that this is my favorite era of X-Men and and everything. And it's not just because of this cartoon. It's just the storylines of this era. This was my X-Men era, um, and they just happened to translate it well into a cartoon. Um, I still think ultimately, like I like GI Joe as a as a cartoon better. Maybe at this point, I say maybe because I'd have to rewatch, you know, X Men to sort of give that uh, uh, fully, you know, dive into that fully. Um, but yeah, I think all three of them are cool. But I will give the edge to the X Men one. I think it was the most Christmassy. Like it got the idea across of what was important about Christmas. And I think I, I really appreciated that. And I don't think I would have appreciated that when I was younger. I think I probably would have been like, and I'm sure I did think this, like, oh, there's no action really in that episode. Whereas now I'm like, good job, guys. Like, good job just getting the spirit of Christmas, like, across with, like, all these Morlocks and everything. And for, you know, hiding, uh, giving us a little... Easter egg of Boom Boom's costume in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, X Men cartoon was one of the one of the first cartoons that was like, you know, story arc focused. Yeah, and yeah, and it, it like when after you really get into it, like you really get into it. Yeah, because you have to watch. It's it's I mean one of the first cartoons where you it had arcs it had like you know season finales and and yeah. all this kind of stuff and you know character things that happened to a character would would translate over and, and you could not watch that cartoon in syndication like you had to watch it in order. Yeah, actually, it's making me think like the 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 morph character in the first the first episode. I think that might be that might be a little too heavy for a kid to watch actually. Yes. So. 
Yeah, X Men aren't yeah. for kids, man. That's that's <laughs> that's the cool thing. GI <laughs> Joe is, and uh, is is Galactica actually for kids? No, probably not. <laughs> I, just, Absolutely I was trying not. to make a segue, but uh, are you guys covering any Christmas episodes uh, on uh, Galactica? Actually, uh, any Battlestar uh, Galactica it, Christmas episodes? It's, it's sort of. We just we just actually finished uh, season two, so uh, laid down your burdens part two. So it's the start of the new Caprica um arc um on Battlestar Galactica which kind of Christmassy because it's all cold and snowy on the on the, uh, the new Caprica so that, that was that. the because the, I watched those with you that was um mm-hmm. when they were like the the web web series or something in between the seasons or whatever yeah the webisodes were kind of like in between season two and three and then season three starts kind of the actual storyline okay so, yeah okay yeah yeah. So yeah, Galactica. Actually, we're uh, yeah, we're it's kind of crazy. We're yeah, we're we're in season. Just we're going to be doing the webisodes, and then we're gonna do season three. And we're like, I don't know, we're like halfway done. Kind of crazy wow, on man. our way to Earth. Awesome. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah. So. And Zach, do you have any uh, Christmas stuff going on at two dollar late fee in Territory Marks this month? We do. Um... Over at $2 late fee, we're covering Rocky IV, a wintry plethora of music and montage and snow. There's no easy way out. And that'll coincide with our... and that'll coincide with our interview with Vince DiCola and Kenny Merriweather. Vince DiCola is back on the show, but he's going to be doing some live performances with his guitarist, Kenny, um, and recreating maybe some of the songs that you might have heard in the Rocky soundtrack or Transformers, perhaps. Uh, but that'll be the follow-up interview. And then Territory Marks this month, well, you know, we... Hot off the heels of Dustin and I going to see the premiere of The Iron Claw, the Von Erich film, which drops in December. Uh, Paul and I are dedicating the whole month to the Von Erichs, and we have a very special interview coming up at the tail end of December. I don't want to talk about it just yet, uh, but if you go to our Instagram and well, if you sign up to Patreon, you'll find out way ahead of time. Um, but we have a, a really fun interview uh, potentially locked in. Actually, it is locked in. It's locked into the end of the month. Um, that coincides with 80s wrestling. Nice. So, a lot of fun stuff going on in Territory Marks. Nice. That's, and $2 late fee. That's awesome. And uh, Zach and I have, of course. Oh, I sorry. I One more thing. We interviewed Jill Sholin to talk about Babes in Toyland, the 1980s holiday film starring Drew Barrymore, Jill Sholin, and Keanu Reeves. Uh, she has some funny stories about that. That's a little bonus episode that's going to be on this month as well. Nice. We're busy, busy over at $2 Late Fee. Yeah, always, and we're busy at Podcasting After Dark as well because we, yeah. <laughs> we have our Christmas movies coming up. We actually haven't even recorded our last movie review of November because we're recording this so early. Um, but we have, yeah, full full month of Christmas episodes. We got this. So, yeah. The holidays are in full swing. Uh, Zach and I are wrapping up the Carpenter Factor, though. Uh, so swing on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash podcasting after dark uh, to check out the Carpenter Factor and also to vote on who you want to see us uh, do next. 
um, or cover next on our Ator de Force tier. Um, we, uh, we have a poll between two people. We are going to consider, or, or, or one of the two, is will be either uh, Don Coscarelli or, Zach? Stuart Gordon. That's right. So we're either going to cover Don Coscarelli or Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon <laughs> next next season, uh, just because I know we've we've talked about considering Wes Craven and we're going to do him, but we just came off of a two plus year uh, John Carpenter dive, and Wes Craven's will be probably just as long, and we wanted to do something a little bit shorter in between. So, and I don't feel like covering music from the heart with uh, Meryl <laughs> Streep. I really don't. I mean, no offense to anybody who likes that movie. It's all good. I, it's like doing Mr. Holland's opus on podcasting <laughs> yeah. after dark. Come on, guys. I mean, we'll get to Wes Craven eventually. Mr. I Holland's just... <laughs> opus is like one of my all-time favorite movies. Tell you what, Diallo, if anyone comes ever, you can sign up to the $20 tier on Patreon and you can select Mr. Holland's Opus for us to break down scene by scene <laughs> if someone wants us. And we will definitely do that, included with music from the heart. Can, can, we, can we do Krippendorf's Tribe? No. <laughs> I... Uh... I actually, Mr. Holland's Opens is great. I love, I love that. I love that movie so much. Um, there's a little part of it that now when I watch it, it's a little problematic. It doesn't quite hold up uh, to today's standards of, uh, um, you know. But uh, for the most part, it's a great movie. Um, I just, I forgot. I and I just started my other podcast. Uh, yet another movie review you didn't ask for. Oh, um, yeah. So I, I wanted to drop that in. By the time this comes out, I will have done. I'm going to go see Marvels tomorrow, so okay. I'll have a review up for that. And um, I'm getting through Loki, so I have a review for that. And maybe I should do a Christmas movie. Yes. Um, maybe you should give me a movie to watch to review go uh, isn't there a christmas movie coming out soon there was one i just saw i just saw oh what about uh, today uh, with john woo's new movie silent night oh the, yeah, silent yeah. That's right. john woo it's airing at the arrow tonight yeah. actually and i had no idea until my friends were like hey we're here i'm excited and for that joel, one like yeah, joel kinnaman yeah. was there yeah yeah, yeah maybe that, doesn't that doesn't fit i don't know when it comes them. out i will be able to watch Silent Night, possibly in the theater, because my wife has a uh, huge crush on Joel Kinnaman. Huge so lady boner go. for him. <laughs> lady boner. I mean, that too. <laughs> yeah, dude. So I want to see that movie so bad. I'm excited for yeah. that one. Maybe we'll get a chance to see it when I come out and visit. That'd be fucking yeah. fun. That'd be cool. Yeah. If all of us saw it together. Jesus. That'd Hire a babysitter. That'd be cool. Yeah. Hire a babysitter. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Uh, we hope everybody enjoyed this episode of TV Obscura. And, uh, you know, go check out all the shows. Go check out $2 Late Fee and Galactica Actually and, and all the other stuff. I'll have uh, links uh, to Diallo's new podcast and everything in there as well as Galactica Actually in the show notes. So, But we hope you guys enjoy these uh, holiday-themed episodes. I personally like doing them, even though my move, my show wasn't quite holiday-ish I, I i almost oh, but but you got to talk about star wars for 45 minutes so <laughs> like, you're welcome there's like, your christmas gift i was like maybe i should change this you know as i'm watching it maybe i should change this and i'm like ah fuck it who cares <laughs> it's nine minutes long all right guys and gals thank you all so much we love you all merry christmas happy holidays and as always catch you on the obscure side
Ho, ho, ho. You wild turkeys. <laughs> Be sure to subscribe to Podcasting After Dark and give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Support Podcasting After Dark on Patreon. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Podcasting After Dark. And visit us next time for another installment of Podcasting After Dark with Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. I'm John, and I'm the host of Action Action. Every week, I'm joined by James. hey And Dustin. Hello. And each week, we review, debate, and rank a different action movie. We're creating the ultimate list of action movies. From awful to awesome. So if you want to hear three more white guys with beards talk about action movies. And argue about where they belong on our list. And decide you hate us because we made fun of your favorite movie. Join us every Tuesday, and you can find us on your favorite podcatcher. And Steven Seagal is a joke.